1: Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time.
0: There are phenomena that that exist exist all around around us. us. Kids playing, kids playing. Above something and above, something and unknown flies over and disappears. People driving people at night, seeing huge creatures cross the road. People, people waking up to find their cabinet door ripped, ripped open the in their kitchen. Strange things happen, Strange things happen every, every day around and the world, seeming and seemingly at the same time. But are these occurrences connected? connected? This This is what we are are here here to explore and are trying to understand. understand. Join us on our journey to uncover what we call call The Convergence enigma. Enigma. and welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the penultimate season four episode of the convergence enigma with josh and stefan i am your host stefan gerhardt joined as always by the man with no chin josh rutledge
1: uh, i think i have an extra chin actually uh... see i
0: was trying to give you a compliment
1: <laughs> Although my extra chain is getting smaller, I've lost. Stop
0: flipping it around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, la, 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 la. <laughs>
1: it's kind of like
0: silly putty. I'm like, I want to put some newspaper against it.
1: Well, I'm just—it's my rooster. It's my little—or or it's called down there. The uh, thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I don't
0: know what it's called. The uh, oh, Gil- it's like
1: giblet. No, giblet. giblet. No. Gil- is that? Is I that don't it? know. But I can oh. do. Uh,
0: I can do SpongeBob with mine. Ah!
1: yeah we're gonna get sued now
0: (laughs) uh anyways like we said this is our second last episode of season four what an amazing season this has been man like i just gotta say it's been yeah
1: um you know we we started the started the season with the change up of the name going from fearscape paranormal to the convergence enigma We've got on the Unx network, but doing awesome stuff on there if you're not uh listening to us or the other great shows on the unX network, make sure you mm-hmm. check it out um and uh you know you talk about the end of it being the end of season four and um you well, know, not only
0: not only that cuts you off like we've moved to YouTube
1: yeah well we we've always been on YouTube. but I mean to, to yeah. actual yeah. video footage video, shows right.
0: with our interviews and with us. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome, man.
1: Yep. So even this one where there isn't a guest, it's just R two smiling faces. R two D two. Um. Then, uh, you know, you still get to see us in our the backgrounds that we happen to pick for the random shows that we do.
0: So. Yep. So Josh, speaking of backgrounds, uh, give him a little heads up about what today's episode is going to be up before we talk about what's going on next season.
1: Yeah. So this episode today, we're going to be talking about the Virginia Brazil case. I said it right not virginia that's an america no nope, it's Virginia, and i actually looked up and there is some correlation i think between virginia in the u.s and virginia in the brazil uh mainly in like the terminology like it, it's not a person's name it's it means something in Interesting. the language yeah anyways the land of the so, virgins i thought yeah that's i don't know if that's the case but anyways <laughs> um in either case uh u.s or brazil so uh yeah this is a pretty big case james fox just recently released you know his new documentary is covering the case so we'll talk a little bit about that documentary in the show today and some kind of ancillary things that you know our our big thing right is our show is we're looking at how are these things related and um when i saw the documentary at ufo congress for the first time and then my own research into the case there are a lot of uh corollaries with some other cases that we've talked about on the show so we'll get into some of that too i'm
0: excited man so of course uh you know this is our penultimate show we've got one more after this we've got our season finale coming up in two weeks with dr lynn katai who i've been waiting to speak to for a very long time uh i'm just super pumped she is the like expert yeah on all things phoenix lights phoenix lights right i mean and, and she's really
1: the one that's kept it alive right? yeah right? i mean a lot you know so it's it'll be really good to talk with her. You know she has her big event that happens every single year. So they have they continue to add uh, new evidence and new interviews and things to it. So yeah, it'd be to fantastic. the
0: documentary, yeah, I got to go to it this year, the 25th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights, and I got to watch her documentary in a movie theater. i um, got to see the Par- Paranormal Ranger guys for the first time, which who we just got to meet as well yeah. uh, while we were out at um, our MUFON Field Investigator Boot Camp. Uh, that we yep. did a few weeks ago that was a lot of fun yeah the paranormal ranger guys that are on that episode of unsolved mysteries they taught most of the stuff going on that whole weekend and of course our friend mark d'antonio as well was there teaching so yeah, i mean i
1: was you know as somebody who grew up uh southern baptist and going to a lot of church camps that typically happen at church I was disappointed to find that the boot camp did not involve a lot of boots.
0: So. <laughs> I thought you were going to start talking about uh, vacation Bible school. <laughs> no, no, no. but you know, one thing I liked about, um, and we'll, we'll get talking about what's happening next season in a second. But one thing I loved about the paranormal Rangers episode on, um, Uh, on unsolved mysteries and what they talked about is he said you know a lot of people ask us do you believe in bigfoot do you believe in ufos and he said believe is the wrong word believe is something you do it's faith-based believe is something you do when you don't have any evidence yeah and i was like whoa
1: (laughs) well that's like you know we've talked about it before even you know there it's no longer really the question even of if you believe in ufos it's uh, UFOs are a fact. I mean, yeah. governments around the world, right, have said UFOs are a fact. Mm-hmm. The question now really becomes what are they and why are they here? Yeah, and that's where, and that's where I think the, the more faith type stuff comes in because, you know, there are people that think that, you know, they're illusions, they're people that think they're holograms, they're people that think they're aliens. I mean, it, it could be any number of things. And I think that's where the belief part comes in. But you're right. I mean, when it comes to things like Bigfoot and UFOs and poltergeist, there is documented scientific evidence that support these things. So it's mm-hmm. no longer a belief in those things. It's it's more of a what is the nature of them, right? Yeah. What are they? Right.
0: Yep. So why are they here? <laughs> Speaking of why are they here? Uh so we like I said next uh, in 2 weeks we've got our season 4 finale. Dr. Linkata, you guys know that we always take off uh, around December. Uh, we're going to be taking an extended break this time because when we come back for season five, season five josh when we come back for season five we are coming back with something amazing now in the meantime i'm gonna tell you this is gonna be a couple months now because we're retooling in the meantime you may get some bonus episodes i think we're gonna re-release the uh twas the night before cryptid miss with jd um that'll get re-released you know maybe a couple uh archived episodes here or there just to you know keep you hasting for more Um, but we're retooling next season you want you want to share a little bit about what we're doing next season
1: yeah, so um, you know when we re- when we rebranded as the Convergence Enigma it was the idea that there the concept that these all all of these different things that parts of the phenomena right the UFO Bigfoot poltergeist magical workings et cetera, that they all kind of tend to congregate or uh, converge in mm-hmm. a given location and so um, that's you know we rebranded that way that's what next season is going to be. It's going to be a deep analysis into a location, looking at these convergences that happen in that location. Um, so it's looking at all of the different type of phenomena, pulling it together to to, to really kind of um, really provide evidence for the theory that these convergences happen. Mm-hmm. And I, the first one we're doing, right, the first one, uh, if you want to tease a little bit, uh, Stefan uh, is in the Appalachians.
0: Yeah. So uh, next season is going to be titled Dark Appalachia. So or Dark Appalachia, depending on who you're talking to. But we're going to be looking into Eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, even up to the Hudson Valley. Uh, what's up with the Appalachian area? What's going on? Why are there so many convergences? Expect interviews, research. Uh, you're going to see uh that, just all kinds of stuff we are changing some things up it's going to be one giant topic for the whole season um and it's going to be absolutely phenomenal we're going to cover mothman we're going to cover the flatwoods monster we're going to cover injured cold we're going to cover everything with deep dives and hopefully we're going to get some interviews with some people that were actually there uh Mm -hmm. and and go from there and we're going to be researching and the cool thing about next season is is that we hope that you become part of this research with us by joining our new patreon
1: Yep. so uh, patreon.com slash uh, T.C. Enigma that, mi- that, mi- that mirrors all of our social media accounts so that's how you can find mm-hmm. us on social media so that's actually it's The C. Enigma pardon me so The C. Enigma and you can get on there and basically uh, join the research so we're going to use that as a methodology to post um, research topics that we're digging into at the moment building up for the evidence for next season uh as well as um, just you know hey we're, we're trying to find information about x number of thing or x person or whatever and this is a way for you to get in on the investigation with us and it's it's not um there's two different tiers one just kind of like shows your support one actually gets you into the discussion and conversation so we yeah, love we'll, it we'll be discussing
0: And uh, we're calling it the Provenience Obscura Society. So join the society with us, get in there, help us research, help us find people, help us find clues uh we want you guys as part of this as much as anything because yep. throughout the years you guys have always reached out to us, sent us your stories, sent us your leads, sent us your people, sent us your research and all of that has led us to where we are now which yep. is the convergence enigma. And so we want you to take a more active uh place here while helping us, you know, put together a little cash to help us get out there a little bit more and reach out yep. to the people and do the things we need to do. So join the Provenience Obscura society today. That's patreon.com slash the sea enigma so get on there and uh we'll be probably starting uh into that january february we're gonna start really starting to hit cool. on that after yep. we take our break yep so, got to break for the holidays
1: gotta burn a yule log gotta burn
0: can... a yule log we gotta yeah. get ready for Miss. Yeah. uh so jd can check things out um but yeah so anyway season five the convergence enigma dark appalachia it's gonna be exciting man i'm just yeah. telling you you're going to see some old faces and some new faces and it's going to be phenomenal man Um, but josh before we get into talking about virginia uh i i actually have some spooky news that i wanted to go over because this like i got sent this by two or three different people and uh it's just a good creepy one we haven't had in a while uh so this comes from all over the place of course but the one i'm pulling from is from the star over in the uk uh and the headline reads creepy black-eyed child ghost plagued uk village so much that a ghostbuster was called in yeah, man. So a paranormal investigator was called to a beauty spot in Staffordshire after receiving reports that a creepy black-eyed child had returned 30 years after her ghost was first spotted. Uh, mm-hmm. Lee Brickley, 35, who is the author of Ghosts of Canic Chase, terrifying reports of paranormal activity from the UK's most haunted town. Woo, that's a long title there, Mr. Brickley. Started scoring scouring through the area in 2014 after receiving a report by a man that he and his wife encountered a girl whose eyes had no color the man's mm. sighting was shared with huffington post uk uh said once we had entered the woodland and the road was no longer visible we started to hear the giggling noise of a little girl josh i'm out of there i'm gone yeah i'm gone not <laughs> i'm gone i'm <laughs> gone already but anyways they continued on to say to our amazement a child no taller than one meter in height appeared as if out of nowhere further up the path in front of us we stopped dead in our tracks after noticing her eyes had no color her head was tilted to the side in much the same way it would appear as if she had been hung she stared at us for around five minutes before running away into the densely grouped area of the trees my wife wanted to follow her but i was having none of it
1: yeah that's uh, how my, you end up dead by the way yeah that's- uh,
0: my <laughs> wife would say yeah let's go so neither of us would be going after this and I would trip you so that you could get in on it and tell me about it later right um the woman uh contacted Brickley after claiming to have encountered the eerie sight the terrified woman said around two months ago my daughter and i were walking through Birch's valley an area known for its spectral sightings when we heard the screams of a young child so this is another woman Uh, Mm. i couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl but they definitely seemed in distress and sounding very close to us so we instantly started running towards the noise british people what is going on john matthews (laughs) can you tell me is this a normal british thing
1: i think it's just a normal human reaction you hear a child screaming you want to go help i mean that's,
0: oh okay that that makes know. more sense i feel better about that okay uh she continues on she says we couldn't find the child anywhere so we stopped to catch our breath that's when i turned around and i saw the girl standing behind me no more than 10 years old with her hands over her eyes like she was waiting for a birthday cake <laughs> Surprise! Uh, I asked if she was okay and if she had been the one screaming, she then put her arms down by her side and opened her eyes, which is when I saw that they were completely black. No iris, no white, nothing. I jumped back. I grabbed my daughter. And when I looked again, the child was gone. It was strange. Really. I knew something was going to happen even before it did. I just had a weird feeling. Mm -hmm. So, Brickley told the Huffington Post UK that, in his opinion, the black-eyed child seems to be some sort of demon. While it might seem like the standard spectral encounter, almost all the reports involve the child leading people towards some sort of potentially dangerous situation. I've Mm -hmm. received nine different reports in the last two years from seemingly credible witnesses. During interviews, most of the stories have all been very similar. The 35 year old author also spoke of his own aunt's encounter with a black child, black eyed child back in 1982, when she was just 18 years old, he described the encounter on a blog post on his website, he said she stumbled upon a dirt track and caught sight of the six to eight year old girl running in the opposite direction shouting help mummy, help. By now it was getting dark and the little girl had reached an area of very densely planted thick and bushy trees. She turned around to face my auntie, looked her dead in the eyes, and then ran off into the dark, compact woodland. At this point, probably very wisely, the decision was made to give up. The paranormal investigator added, in my mind, it seems likely that even if my auntie had continued to chase the little girl, she never would have caught her because it wasn't a child at all, but an evil force planning to do away with one of my own family members. So, so
1: um, you may not know this, I but didn't. this ties in to our dark Appalachia convergence that we're going to talk about next. Black
0: eyed children show up well
1: so in recent years um the geological societies of the world have come to an agreement that the appalachian mountains extends all the way into norway and sweden you know because it's the oldest it's the oldest mountain range in the world and it goes back to a time when all the continents were connected you know Pangea and everything Mm -hmm. and then as we spread apart the mountain range has broken up and now occupies a couple of different areas of the world but the area that you're talking about is near a section of the Appalachian Mountains and you may recall in um, the show Hellier as well as uh, other accounts that People in the West Virginia and Kentucky area of the Appalachians do talk about hearing children screaming Mm -hmm. in the mountains and kind of like a baby crying, almost like they're being called into the area. There's a lot of disappearance cases that involves that. So in a a roundabout way, uh, you have talked about a case tonight that is related to what we're going to talk about in
0: oh next. man you know that makes me want to re-release our black-eyed children episode in the meantime uh maybe we'll do that maybe that's be one of the ones we re-release yeah. over the next couple months so yeah it, it's just really interesting how um
1: again the the cosmos or whatever you want to say the fate if mm-hmm. you will has has kind of intervened here and you've covered a covered a story that is related to what we're going to talk about next season so if that doesn't wet your whistle and entice you to come back then
0: you know Uh, well yeah just be careful if you live near staffordshire look out for the little girl man she gonna get you don't don't follow her in the woods that's all i'm saying mate the girl is gonna get you the girl is gonna get you oh here she comes you. she's a man eater literally she will
1: eat. literally yeah literally, it's, skin, it's probably it. a skinwalker. is probably what it is
0: all right josh now that we are 17 minutes in let's dive right into because <laughs> <laughs> i know people love that yeah um, but no let's get talking about um our case that we're talking about for our second to last episode now. yeah
1: virginia Brazil. virginia um so for those that are on youtube that are watching the show on youtube um i will be uh throughout the show you'll be able to see some pictures and things from the case um if you're on the youtube version but also there's in my background uh in virginia is uh, the monument that they built to the case uh because they were just so uh so many people were witness to it and were involved in it so Anyways, uh, if that if you haven't figured it out, that's your cue to now go to YouTube and watch. The- <laughs> so, um, all right, the Virginia Brazil case. Uh, by the way, I, I love saying Virginia. In fact, I'm going to start calling Virginia U.S. Virginia
0: just because it's fun to say. Um, yeah, and I was just looking. Move your head for a second. Let me see. Let me see that picture. Yeah. So I was just looking it up too. Did you know that that's a water tower? I did yeah <laughs> that's crazy cool they yeah. made a, a ufo into a water tower yeah so it's
1: not just a monument right yeah. it's it's functional so it's not just you know it doesn't just take up space so yep uh so anyways january 1996 uh this is of course uh just what uh 18 no 16 months before phoenix, the lights. phoenix lights yeah right so inhale bop inhale bop um but uh, basically, uh, this is an actual case that involves um, alien humanoids that were seen and and touched by a number of people. Um, the the government swooped in, carried them away, never to be seen again. I mean that's that's the synopsis. But we're going to dive into the details. So. Um, NORAD, okay, which is the North American radar, something aerial defense, something like that. I don't know. Somebody who's listening can can comment and say you're dumb. You don't know what NORAD stands for. Anyways, it all I know is is they track Santa Claus every year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Amen. uh, (laughs) So, um, but they had reported uh, to um, the Brazilian government. Uh, that they were tracking uh, UFOs over their airspace in uh, January 1996. Um, And um, in in fact, uh, uh, a fisherman off the coast of Brazil actually saw uh, some UFOs kind of maneuvering above the water and near the water and then flying over land. Um, so there's there's just there's so there's sightings okay then you then you've got a guy um who was driving along and sees this UFO come up over his over his automobile and then crash and he's the sole witness okay he was the sole witness that saw the UFO crash um and he gave a video testimony at the time um, about what he saw and then he disappeared.
0: Classic. So it's not just the United States. huh?
1: Yeah. Um, So what he talked about, what he saw though, was this craft coming over Um, it. He said it kind of, Maneuvered like it was sluggish, like it, they were fighting in his words, they were fighting to, to keep control. It kind of like flew over to an area a little bit, um, to his left. And then it kind of pulled back around to his right. And then ultimately, uh, crashed into a field, uh, into a, a cow pasture, um, about a hundred or so yards from a farmhouse. um, And he went over there to check it out, and he saw this creature uh, looking at him standing in the field, and then it scurried away uh, into the woods. Mm. Um, I want to make a real quick note here and say that, because I I don't think I gave the date, so it's January 20th is the date um, when when it all, when everything kind of was seen and started happening. Um, I recently posted a thing on uh, Facebook. I was doing some UFO sighting analysis. Um, and Saturdays are the most uh, common day for UFO sighting reports.
0: Yeah, didn't John Keel say that? It was like Saturdays and Wednesdays or he something He said like
1: Saturday that? and Wednesday, but in it, it, actually looking at the new data, it's actually Saturday and Sunday. I wonder if that's
0: common. because people are out and about,
1: you know. Probably. And they're, you know, they're out they're more, at night
0: a little bit more.
1: They're more leisurely out, right? They're not like rushing to somewhere or someplace. Like during the week, you're for the most part you're like you're on a mission. But um, January twenty, I don't I don't know though that that can hold true everywhere in the world. Like U.S. has been accused a lot of being, you know, very goal focused and goal oriented and like you know just churn, 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 churn. I don't know if the same could be held true for other parts of the world. So. To say that you know sightings would not be the same, or sighting data would be different in other parts of the world, I don't know. Maybe it would because I'm looking at New Fork data, which is predominantly North America, right? Yeah, because like Denmark,
0: Um, I mean, they're only four days a week, so they would have Friday off, right? You
1: know, places like um, like Spain and Portugal where um, they take this, you know, like a siesta type period Mm -hmm. of time during the day. You know, would there be more sightings then? anyways bottom line i would love to get my hands on that data if anybody has it anyways i'd love to um, get my
0: hands on a siesta
1: yeah that'd be good
0: um too. i did want to i did want to add this in josh uh a little correlation myself uh if you recall the last time we covered a brazilian case was antonio vs. boas which was the first alien abduction case yeah uh in the world that is documented um i looked up where this was it was about seven hours and 50 minutes away Mm. from each other so about eight hours roughly uh so we're still within the same area basically you know a drive across arizona
1: right so the reason i I, that's very that's very interesting very cool and and i'm wondering look at the date but the reason i bring up the date now and talking about that research is january 20th 1996 was a saturday
0: cool yeah this was uh october sixteenth, nineteen 1957 i don't know when that was
1: well, hold on let me just pull up my handy dandy uh microsoft calendar here and ha!
0: Just... i just pulled it up it's a wednesday so that <laughs> that
1: meets keels right so yeah that if...
0: meets keels
1: and, you know, and I, I was looking at the last 10 years of data, you know, who know, you know, Keel of course, was looking at like 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s data. Mm-hmm. So it may, you know, over a longer period of time, or it may have shifted. So you I just, know. I, I
0: just know that Brazil is a hotspot for UFOs and aliens oh, yeah. and stuff. So, you know, it's interesting that, you know, well, it's a,
1: it's a coastal city or it's yeah. a coastal country, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you look at, I mean, there, there tends to be there. It's looking more and more likely that, you know, uh, Ivan T. Sanderson wrote a book, uh, Invisible Residents, mm-hmm. um, about sightings that happen in the ocean. Uh, we had, you know, Mark D'Antonio on uh, twice, and in both Log times he was it, on, maybe. You know, he talked about his, you know, fast mover in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, you know, that's probably where most of them are hiding, right, on mm-hmm. any given moment. And so any country that has a large oceanic coastline uh, i think is going to be more uh you know prevalent to see to see sightings and have things happen but anyways yep.
0: and one day josh is gonna write a book about it all
1: yeah yeah or i'll just continue to talk about it on this podcast and somebody else will take <laughs> my words and write the book about it
0: or or on your blog on your medium on media yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: so um anyways uh so he so he saw it um a crash, um, and like I said, it's all the this the little uh, entity that that ran off uh, into the woods. Um, next thing you kind of know, the military is rolling in. Okay, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, when when James Fox and his documentary, uh, which is called uh, Virginia, the Roswell of Brazil, um. When he in his documentary, um, they they found some people who were alive during this time. You know, it's not that long ago, but they were like young; they were younger kids when it happened, and you know, of course, now they're older adults and such. But um, they talked about how 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 quickly the government responded. Um, that like it was in within a couple hours of yeah. the first sighting. The government was on site. They were locking down roads. They were doing grid pattern searches, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting. It's almost like, you know, there's some sort of centralized training program for uh, militaries around the world to respond to UFO crashes. Mm-hmm you know to well, wasn't the, there
0: somebody that said that in 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 like the manual there is a section on how to deal with ufo crashes or something like that well so in in the
1: mil, in like in the military code of well, it's not code um the, the, like my dad even talked about in the handbook or whatever that was on like the base where he was, there was a section that talked about what do you do if you see a UFO, but it was small. Mm-hmm. Like, so, it, you know, and we talked about that before really from the mindset of see the military never really stopped talking about UFOs. They just stopped publicly talking about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it really does feel like there is some sort of a, you know, UFO response framework, if you will, that governments around the world are following because the way that the uh, Brazilian government responded to this case is almost exactly like step-by-step step the way that the U.S. the U.S. government has been reported as responding to crashes as well. So it's, again, it, it kind of feels like there's a framework out there somewhere. It's probably not called like you know, UFO response framework or something, but... It, there's a process or a policy that exists that has been made um available to militaries around at least probably with you know whoever the allies are right. um maybe maybe that's a foia for the black vault folks to figure out and have to, you oh, know go right. after um but uh, anyway so military rolled in and they pretty much you know kind of they set up uh roadblocks and um were really just interviewing you know stopping people as they were coming through I mean they so so they're they're looking for these creatures yeah that you know they because what I'm assuming at this point this is me putting it together based on um, other accounts that we've heard about other crashes that we've heard about and talked about is that they they've likely got to the crash scene and found no bodies so if there were no bodies they must Nobody. be somewhere nearby, right? <clears throat> so then they start doing the investigation or the search to try to find them nearby.
0: Right. Nobody's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who can... No, <laughs> See, I can't...
0: <laughs> can't not. It's like, it's like yeah. shaving a haircut.
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, um, so, the... Uh, there are two... Um, entity captures or or sightings that occur Um, the the first that we'll talk about is uh, some fire uh, firemen uh, that were local Um, people saw a creature uh, that had kind of gone down a steep embankment toward the woods and boys were throwing stones at it (laughs) because that's what that's what we like always do like I, my my dad was in town recently and we were out doing the night watch and we were talking about you know if you know if if aliens do ever decide to land on somebody's front yard they're probably going to get shot i mean it's yep. just you know it's,
0: <laughs> especially it's, it's if it's in Arizona or Kentucky <laughs>
1: <laughs> so but um anyway so they're throwing stones at it trying to get a reaction which is when you think about it that's kind of what we do with laser pointers right we yeah. ding, ding, hit being them with the laser pointer try to get a reaction um which maybe that's just as offensive to them as throwing stones at them you know That's why but,
0: the invasion's going to happen
1: right cuz we all use laser pointers yep. that's what it is So um so it goes down this uh steep embankment um so the firemen uh, are called to go And they go down the same embankment, and they cross a set of railroad tracks, and they enter the woods uh, to to look for the creature. Uh, It says here that Virginia is very hilly with uh, very few level areas. Um, So from where the truck was parked to the closest street to the woods is about 100 meters, uh, which I think, if I do my math correct, it's like 300 feet or so. Um, And then dropping, you know, a good 50 meters off of this incline. So the ragged path kind of runs down uh, and near the bottom uh, is a railroad cutout. And anyone using the past ma- path must slip and slide down to the tracks to cross them and then go back up the other side um, where the path kind of continues on uh, through the forest. It goes through an old fence and you enter the woods. Um, and it, it says here, that you know, it's, it's a it's a very treacherous path. Um, and a lot of people struggle uh, to follow it. Um, it took the firemen two hours to capture the creature, uh, partly because it kept running away from them, I mean, obviously, uh, in the dense bushes, and partly because they were afraid of whatever it was. Um, they claimed that it gave off a strong offensive odor. Mm. Um, there's a... um we'll read about the second a uh, second creature uh, sighting in just a moment but i want to i want to talk a little bit about this odor they say it smelled uh like a strong smell of ammonia
0: that's something i've heard before
1: now um i have uh <laughs> i find this tangential statement here andy weir um author you know wrote the martian uh he wrote a book called artemis that talks about a colony on the moon mm-hmm. and then like six months after that book came out nasa announced that they're going to work on building a colony on the moon we're going to call it artemis right <laughs> um in his most recent book called hail mary um i don't want to give anything away from me hasn't read the book but there's a section in there where it talks about um Uh, 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 one of the participants in the book having a strong smell of ammonia and it just it really is really interesting to me that there's these kind of tangential information that's peeking its head and kind of non you know this is just fiction literature like for the masses it's not you know geared towards paranormal people but anyways so i thought that was interesting But I, too, have heard the other people talk about the smell of ammonia uh, when things get near. Almost like, you know, makes you wonder if, like, you know, these creatures don't breathe oxygen. Maybe they breathe ammonia.
0: Yeah. Just because, you know, we we go a certain way doesn't mean they do.
1: Yep. So. um, And so anyway, so they so so they finally capture it um, and uh, told him that. You know, they, they asked his commander to come out there and join them, um, and so they they carried it back up this long hill, and the commander had arrived, and as uh, as uh, an army truck with two officers and a sergeant, the creature was handed over to the army men with little or no discussion, and everyone left. Hmm. Um, and about uh, so this this by the way was around eight thirty a.m uh, is when this is happening on January 20th. Um, around, uh, so that was 830. It took them, let's say an hour to respond, two hours to capture. So, you know, we're looking at like 1230 or so, uh, 130 in the afternoon. Um, then around, uh, two o'clock that afternoon, a jogger saw seven armed soldiers cross a small footbridge, From the Santana district into a huge pasture immediately south of the woods. Uh, The bridge is at the bottom of a long sloping hill leading up across the pasture to the railroad tracks and higher up the street where the fire fire truck had parked that morning. Um, Two of the seven soldiers appeared to be carrying automatic rifles. Uh, All were wearing sidearms from the footbridge to the street above the woods is at least 600 meters or more. The jogger had intended to take a shortcut across the bridge, but decided not to because of the soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it says the soldiers walked up the hill and inspected a small grove of trees near the rebel tracks, found nothing in the move back towards the big woods, fading out in a broad V formation. Uh, the jogger saw them enter through the woods, the witness continued jogging and then turned east into the street um, heading towards the Santana district. A minute or two later, the witness heard three distinct shots, pow, 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 as if from a rifle, became curious and jogged back three or four blocks to the street overlooking the woods. By now, an army truck was parked there, uh, about where the fire truck had been earlier, and the witness could see four of the soldiers struggling up the long steep bank with two bags two soldiers to each bag one bag was squirming as if something live was in it but the other had no movement other soldiers yeah (laughs) Uh, other soldiers were inside the truck the bags were heaved into the truck and the truck sped away um Neither the witness nor the investigators know what was in the bags. So I do. Yeah. I mean, it, it is possible they captured, you know, a wild animal, a dog or something. Who knows? I mean, but, skin skinwalker. Yeah. <laughs> um, at around dusk that afternoon, so around around six p.m. or so, uh, a short but violent hailstorm, and it says that this is quite unusual for that time of the year hit Virginia. It broke windows, windshields, and caused other damage. Um, and it wiped out any prints or traces of the creature the three young women had seen. So this is... Um, now I want to talk about the what the three young women had seen.
0: Yeah, this is the Silver it's, Sisters.
1: Yep, this is the Silver Sisters. And so um, they were headed... Uh, just kind of walking, and they decided to cut through this open lot and as they're cutting through this open lot um the one up well i don't think they're all sisters i think two are sisters and one is a friend or a cousin but anyways um they're cutting through the the open lot and they see this creature squatted down like huddled against the wall of this open lot and it's when you when you hear open lot you know depending on what where you live in the world you may have a different picture but it's actually um it's it's really a walled-in area, right? It, there's a there's a doorway gate that goes into it. There's a doorway gate that goes out of it on the other side. Um, it's a, it's surrounded by buildings, so it's kind of walled in. But it, but you know, inside of it is just you know dirt and grass and flowers and everything else. So it's it's basically a lot that was probably intended to be built on and never was. So they're walking through this lot though, and against one of the walls is this creature that's huddled against the wall um they describe it as having um kind of like brown oily skin um it was trembling um like it was cold it had big red eyes mm-hmm. um and what appeared to be little horns on top of its head
0: yeah and they had v-shaped feet like this is a very famous image uh there's even a statue of their description of it in virginia as well
1: yeah so uh the the feet were really interesting because um so you know they they saw this <laughs> they freaked out and they ran away they ran to um uh, yeah to their to their uh, parents house and they- told their mom you have you know what's going on and so she went uh with them uh to investigate as well and she reported seeing not the creature but she saw um feet uh footprints in the in the kind of mud in this area and she described them as being you know that three toed yeah uh, not you know footprint um and so this is where you know i want to talk about you know the correlation here between this case and like the hopkinsville uh kentucky case because mm-hmm. they were also dealing with about the same size with large eyes and um the three-toed put- footprint as well as uh the Hellier case yep. from the Hellier documentary they talked you know they talked about it and even received a photo back of, of this footprint that was a three-toed foot- footprint so um, it's, you know, some, some really strong correlation there between really different parts of the world. Um, but again, you know, if you look at these places um, on a map, you know, they, they they tend to kind of fall in line <laughs> with each other. Yeah. It really makes you wonder about, you know, again, the kind of subterranean aspects of the earth and what we do and don't know.
0: Well, and, and, you know, uh, you know, the girls and the mother smelled the ammonia as well. But the other thing I was going to say is, you know, the girls screamed, no, we didn't see an alien, but we saw the devil. Right. Um, so again, talking about how culture and religion can shape. Oh yeah. We think we see like the fairies of old and devils of old and things like that. Here's another case of, we saw the devil.
1: Now, um, there's another, and it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull this from me seeing the documentary from James Fox, because there's another account that in all the articles that I read online, I could not find. And that is um, one of the, uh, so some soldiers were driving around the streets of Virginia in a, a Jeep, and um, they spot the creature dart across the road, so one of them jumps out, grabs the creature with his hands, and wrangles him into the jeep. And they go to the local hospital, um, to to like do X rays or something like you know to to take X rays or something of this creature to to see what they're working with. That soldier who grabbed the creature later that day develops an illness that doctors cannot explain and he dies within 24 hours.
0: Yeah, I I was actually gonna say, one of the things that I researched and found was that uh, another close encounter was from a janitor uh, of a zoo. He was a zoo janitor and uh, the the animals that he worked with, that he cleaned their stalls and things like that, like after his close encounter, within a few months died. Mm. And they think that maybe it was radiation or something from his close encounter, at least that's what he thinks.
1: Well, and, and apparently, like a lot of the trees that were around the crash died off. Like they were like you know young, healthy trees, mm-hmm. and, they, and they all died off from whatever was in the area. So I mean, just you know, it, it's it really makes you wonder, um, or, or not wonder, but it makes you think. Uh, be careful what you ask for, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people who want to have a close encounter. You know that want. to to see a craft up close. Yeah. But but you're dealing with, you know, potentially science and elements that we don't really understand, yeah. right, as a, as a people. And so, I mean, this is a very strong case where, you know, at no point in time in any of the accounts did the creature seem hostile. There's there's never an account of them attacking anyone. You know, the three girls in the lot, that creature could have leapt out and attacked them.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it didn't. It stayed you know, kinda huddled against the side of the wall. Yep. So nothing about this says this was an attack. But getting sick and dying or you know, or having an illness and in, in you know from encountering the creatures um is still possible. And so, you know, the thing I think the the big to draw the difference here is that you know, if you if you go and and eat a rock and you have like bad digestive system issues,
0: like, like rock biter from the yeah, never Ending story, right.
1: you know, well, he but he's like he's made to eat rocks. I'm like, I'm talking you like your fleshy body. You yeah. decide or like you, you swallow 13 nails or something. And or next dogs. You know,
0: dogs will do it, man. They'll eat yeah. rocks sometimes and they got to either push it through or get surgery. <laughs>
1: My point is, is that The Rock did not attack you just because you decided to put yourself in that situation to now be harmed. I see what you're saying. So, you know, it's just, yeah. And I think that's probably true for a lot of E.T. or alien or whatever you want to say or UFO crash experiencers is... If you get sick from the experience, it's just an adverse reaction to your body not being able to handle whatever the physical circumstances were yeah. of that experience. But don't necessarily classify that as an attack.
0: Right. So.
1: Anyways, um, so let's um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump real quick to talk a little bit more about James Fox's documentary. Um, Because he worked on this thing for 10 years.
0: (laughs) This is called Moment of Contact, right?
1: Uh, Yes. Yes. Yep. You're right. It is called Moment of Contact. Earlier, I said Virginia, the Roswell, Brazil, but it is. I think that's like the the sub, whatever it's. Yeah, the subtitle. Yeah. But yeah, Moment of Contact is the name of the documentary. Um, And of course, you know, he wrote like you know he did out of the blue and what you saw the phenomenon which i think got a lot of one of my uh, attention, favorites you know because of when it came out in relation to the uf of uh, the uh, us government report and etc but um so he spent 10 years uh working on you know not not full 10 years but you know off and on over 10 years working on this case and then finally decided that, you know now's the time to go and and do this full investigation and so um when he went down to brazil the the doc number one the documentary uh like like he does it's it's very well done i mean it's a it's a fantastic documentary like i said i got a chance to see it with others at the ufo congress before anybody else had seen it um and it's funny we were we started playing it and for some reason the the video was like clipping, you know, like it was like the, maybe they were trying to stream it and the internet mm-hmm. connection was not great. And so it had played for like five or six minutes and next he like comes out from behind the curtain and he's like, like, you know what? Nope. Stop it. Stop it. This is the first time I'm seeing it too. And I'm not going to watch it when it's clipping like this. And so they spent, <laughs> <laughs> they spent a little bit of time uh, fixing it so that it would not clip. And then we watched the whole thing. And then afterwards he took, you know, some kind of questions and gave some information and, allowed people in the Congress to ask questions and stuff. It was a really cool uh, opportunity. But um, one of the things that he talked about is is the main investigator uh, that kind of uh, did all the investigation at the time that it happened, you know, he had, he had passed on. Um, but in the documentary, uh, they had his daughter um, provide a lot of, you know, kind of his state of mind and things. And I find it interesting. His daughter is a psychologist.
0: Ah, that's awesome.
1: And so, um, you know, of all the people to be skeptical and potentially say, you know, this is just all in your mind or, you know, it's metaphor or something like that, uh, she would be it. But no, she was, you know, remembered her father's state of being and, and you know, had the documentary actually shows some video footage and pictures that have never before been seen because – um, she had access to them uh being his daughter so i highly recommend uh if you haven't already to watch the documentary of the of the case because it is it is very good <laughs> and honestly yeah i, don't, uh, I haven't
0: seen it yet so I, I i'm very excited to see it
1: uh i mean it's it's probably along with the phenomenon one of his best documentaries in my opinion that he's done um one of the things, and I, and I forgot to mention this when we were covering, when I was covering the details of the case, um, there was this, actually, this case involves some men in black sightings as well. Um, so the mother of the three girls that had their sighting, she says that later, um, that evening after she had, you know, kind of giving her statements, everything, um, three men dressed in all black suits came and knocked on her door and she had kind of invited them into the little, uh, ante room, you know, before you go into the rest of the house, mm-hmm. uh, what's it I think it's called an ante room? But anyways, um, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And, uh, they basically offered her thousands of dollars to recant and forget about this whole thing. And she said, you know, no, because, you know, that would have like mental, ish, you know, mental impact on my daughters to say, you know, we, I don't believe you or no one believes you, you know, to basically go down that road. And so she she refused and they 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 basically threatened her um, in a non direct way. And then they left and she said they got into a big uh, black sedan that had no license plate on it. That now that sounds exactly like you know some of Keel's uh, accounts of the Men in Black. You know that right. they would be in like these big dark sedans or whatever. Um, the guy who was the only eyewitness to the crash, he's interviewed in the documentary. They found that he came back and they interviewed him. He was approached the same way. He said he was sitting uh, at a table in like a cafe. And three men walked up, and said, "You're just going to disappear." Ugh. And so he had. He said he had no ties to the area. You know, he didn't have wife and kids, so he he left. He took their money and he left, and he disappeared for thirty years. Wow. So, um, yeah, you know, Men in Black, Alien Humanoids, Crash. And, and what's what's really, I think, the most amazing thing of all of this is that it happened in a time where our technology allowed us to capture things that we didn't have in 1947 for the Roswell crash, right? You know, so like I said, there are when you watch the documentary, there's um, there's some video that was shown, there's some pictures that were captured for the sighting that happened. Out over the water, the the, the fishermen I talked about in the beginning that took some pictures mm-hmm. out over the water uh, that's sh- shown in the documentary, um, and uh yeah, it's just it's it's an amazing case. Um And like you said, there there is a lot of this along with the uh, Antonio boas case, and I'm sure there are others um, that have yet to be investigated uh, for the area, and, it, and it just really um really makes you wonder um like you said around the kind of cultural societal uh, norm around calling things the demon or the devil or whatever how many other you know devil sightings have there been in the world that kind of gun, you know kind of go unnoticed or unmentioned yeah. um and, you know, and that's one of the things that you know we do right as we start to look at these convergences is is don't look for UFO sightings look for fairy sightings look for light in the sky sightings look you know look for all different types of things look for devil sightings look for demon sightings and and um try to apply those cultural um uh, labels that people use and what you're looking for to see if there are related uh cases that are out there that have kind of uh flying flown flown under the radar um and not been picked up because they don't involve the word ufo or alien or extraterrestrial or bigfoot so
0: yeah so i put up a little picture of what uh they thought it was to see there um i did want to give the skeptical viewpoint so might as well do it out there uh in regards to the creature uh there was an official inquiry led by the brazilian military authority so you know i don't know how much we can trust that Um, but they concluded that the silver sisters had actually come across a homeless mentally unstable man nicknamed modinho which means covered in mud uh so they think that it was just a homeless man covered in mud i don't know how that explains red eyes or horns or v-shaped feet or anything like that just the brown skin
1: and also i mean the smell of ammonia well the smell of ammonia would what was he like taking an ammonia bath every morning before, right you know, he got, well and, and then also they did describe him as being like three to three and a half feet tall uh, you know i mean i know there's some short people in the world but right that's...
0: well the, the military also stated the aliens seen there were uh, uh someone who had dwarfism um so they said that a citizen known as Modinho, who probably had some mental disability and whose physical characteristics match the description, make it likely that the hypothesis that the citizen probably being dirty due to the heavy rains and seen crouching by a wall was mistaken by the three terrified girls as a space creature.
1: So how do they explain the military guy that picked one up and then died? Oh, I know. Person? Oh,
0: I know. <laughs> I mean, or or, or the
1: holes everywhere or the janitor
0: at the zoo the first yeah. guy who saw it run off into the woods i mean right. you know
1: yeah there's uh there's more holes in that in that cover story than Swiss cheese. so yeah um but anyways uh, bottom line if this if it's not been clear i i i recommend you watch the documentary and yep. make it so do it now yeah watch it check right it out moment
0: this. of contact with roswell uh, Brazilian Roswell case. You can
1: uh, uh, you can rent it on Amazon Prime or you can buy it on Prime, but I don't think it's available uh, really anywhere else right now.
0: At the moment. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Josh. I appreciate that, man. Again, we will be back in two weeks with our season finale with Dr. Lin Kitai. It's going to be an absolutely fun, fun, fun. And then it's going to be a few months. So make sure you guys are joining the Provenience Obscura Society uh, at patreon.com slash... Uh, the sea enigma so you can figure out what's going on and you can help join us in the research but we got to get out of here josh make sure to go to fearscapemedia.com for all of our other shows and the convergenceenigma.com to see what's going on with us other than that josh this has been stefan keep your eyes on the skies this has been josh the truth is now and remember folks hold those blankets extra tight because things <laughs> tend to get spooky When you're listening to the Convergence Enigma. No, really, seriously. Just remember, keep questioning. Keep searching. All right, guys? Never give up. Never surrender. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night.